Section four of Old Granny Fox by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Section four. Reddy Fox is impudent. After the storm, and Granny and Reddy Fox hunt in vain. Chapter ten. Reddy Fox is impudent. A saucy tongue is dangerous to possess. Be sure some day twill get you in a mess. Reddy Fox is headstrong and, like most headstrong people, is given to thinking that his way is the best way, just because it is his way. He is smart, is Reddy Fox. Yes, indeed, Reddy Fox is very, very smart. He has to be in order to live. But a great deal of what he knows he learned from old Granny Fox. The very best tricks he knows she taught him. She began teaching him when he was so little that he tumbled over his own feet. It was she who taught him how to hunt, that it is better never to steal chickens near home but to go a long way off for them, and how to fool Bowser the Hound. It was Granny who taught Reddy how to use his little black nose to follow the tracks of careless young rabbits, and how to catch meadow mice under the snow. In fact, there is little Reddy knows which he didn't learn from wise, shrewd old Granny Fox. But as he grew bigger and bigger, until he was quite as big as Granny herself, he forgot what he owed to her. He grew to have a very good opinion of himself, and to feel that he knew just about all there was to know. So, sometimes, when he had done foolish or careless things, and Granny scolded him, telling him he was big enough and old enough to know better, he would sulk, and go off muttering to himself. But he never quite dared to be openly disrespectful to Granny, and this, of course, was quite as it should have been. If only I could catch Granny doing something foolish or careless, he would say to himself. But he never could, and he had begun to think that he never would. But now, at last, Granny, clever old Granny Fox, had been careless. She had allowed Farmer Brown's boy to catch her napping. Reddy did wish he had been there to see it himself. But anyway, he had been told about it, and he made up his mind that the next time Granny said anything sharp to him about his carelessness, he would have something to say back. Yes, sir, Reddy Fox was deliberately planning to answer back, which, as you know, is always disrespectful to one's elders. At last the chance came. Reddy did a thing no truly wise fox will ever do. He went two nights in succession to the same henhouse, and the second time he barely escaped being shot. Old Granny Fox found out about it. How she found out, Reddy doesn't know to this day, but find out she did, and she gave him such a scolding as even her sharp tongue had seldom given him. "'You are the stupidest fox I ever heard of,' scolded Granny. "'I'm no more stupid than you are,' retorted Reddy, in the most impudent way. "'What's that?' demanded Granny. "'What's that you said?' "'I said I'm no more stupid than you are, and what is more, I hope I'm not so stupid. 
I know better than to take a nap in broad daylight right under the very nose of Farmer Brown's boy. Reddy grinned in the most impudent way as he said this. Granny's eyes snapped. Then things happened. Reddy was cuffed this way and cuffed that way and cuffed the other way until it seemed to him that the air was full of black paws, every one of which landed on his head or face with a sting that made him whimper and put his tail between his legs and finally howl. There, cried Granny, when at last she had to stop because she was quite out of breath. Perhaps that will teach you to be respectful to your elders. I was careless and stupid, and I am perfectly ready to admit it, because it has taught me a lesson. Wisdom often is gained through mistakes, but never when one is not willing to admit the mistakes. No fox lives long who makes the same mistake twice, and those who are impudent to their elders come to no good end. I've got a fat goose hidden away for dinner, but you will get none of it. I, I wish I'd never heard of Granny's mistake, whined Reddy to himself, as he crept dinnerless to bed. You ought to wish that you hadn't been impudent, whispered a small voice down inside him. Chapter 11 After the Storm The joys and the sunshine that make us glad, the worries and troubles that make us sad, must come to an end, so why complain? Of too little sun or too much rain. The thing to do is to make the most of the sunshine while it lasts, and when it rains, to look forward to the coming of the sun again, knowing that come it surely will. A dreadful storm was keeping the little people of the green forest, the green meadows, and the old orchard prisoners in their own homes, or in such places of shelter as they had been able to find. But it couldn't last forever, and they knew it. Knowing this was all that kept some of them alive. You see, they were starving. Yes, sir, they were starving. You and I would be very hungry, very hungry indeed, if we had to go without food for two whole days. But if we were snug and warm, it wouldn't do us any real harm. With the little wild friends, especially the little feathered folks, it is a very different matter. You see, they are naturally so active that they have to fill their stomachs very often in order to supply their little bodies with heat and energy. So, when their food supply is wholly cut off, they starve, or else freeze to death in a very short time. A great many little lives are ended this way in every long, hard winter storm. It was late in the afternoon of the second day when rough brother North Wind decided that he had shown his strength and fierceness long enough, and, rumbling and grumbling, retired from the green meadows and the green forest, blowing the snow clouds away with him. For just a little while, before it was time for him to go to bed behind the purple hills, jolly round red Mr. Sun smiled down on the white land and never was his smile more welcome. Out from their shelters hurried all the little prisoners, for they must make the most of the short time before the coming of the cold night. Little Tommy Tit, the chickadee, was so weak that he could hardly fly, and he shook with chills. 
he made straight for the apple tree where farmer brown's boy always keeps a piece of suet tied to a branch for tommy and his friends drummer the woodpecker was there before him now it is one of the laws of politeness among the feathered folk that when one is eating from a piece of suet a newcomer shall await his turn dee 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 said tommy tit faintly but cheerfully for he couldn't be other than cheery if he tried dee 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 that looks good to me it is good mumbled drummer pecking away at the suet greedily come on tommy tit don't wait for me for i won't be through for a long time i'm nearly starved and i guess you must be i am confessed tommy as he flew over beside drummer thank you ever so much for not making me wait don't mention it replied drummer with his mouth full this is no time for politeness here comes yank yank the nuthatch i guess there is room for him too yank yank was promptly invited to join them and did so after apologizing for seeming so greedy if i couldn't get my stomach full before night i certainly should freeze to death before morning said he what a blessing it is to have all this good food waiting for us if i had to hunt for my usual food on the trees i certainly should have to give up and die it took all my strength to get over here my i feel like a new bird already here comes sammy jay i wonder if he will try to drive us away as he usually does sammy did nothing of the kind he was very meek and most polite can you make room for a starving fellow to get a bite he asked i wouldn't ask it that i couldn't last another night without food dee 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 always room for one more replied tommy tit crowding over to give sammy room wasn't that a dreadful storm worse i ever knew mumbled sammy i wonder if i ever will be warm again until their stomachs were full not another word was said meanwhile chatterer the red squirrel had discovered that the storm was over as he floundered through the snow to another apple tree he saw tommy tit and his friends and in his heart he rejoiced that they had found food waiting for them his own troubles were at an end for in the tree he was headed for was a store of corn chapter twelve granny and reddy fox hunt in vain old mother nature's plans for good quite often are not understood Tommy Tit and Drummer the Woodpecker and Yank Yank the Nuthatch and Sammy Jay and Chatterer the Red Squirrel were not the only ones who were out and about as soon as the great storm ended. Oh, my, no. No, indeed. Everybody who was not sleeping the winter away or who not had a store of food right at hand was out. But not all were so fortunate as Tommy Tit and his friends in finding a good meal. Peter Rabbit and Mrs. Peter came out of the hole in the heart of the dear old briar-patch, where they had managed to keep comfortably warm, and at once began to fill their stomachs with bark from young trees and tender tips of twigs. It was very coarse food, but it would take away that empty feeling. Mrs. Grouse burst out of the snow and hurried to get a meal before dark. She had no time to be particular, and so she ate spruce buds. They were very bitter, and not much to her liking, but she was too hungry, and night was too near for her to be fussy. 
she was thankful to have that much. Granny Fox and Reddy were out, too. They didn't need to hurry, because, as you know, they could hunt all night. But they were so hungry that they just had to be looking for something to eat. They knew, of course, that everybody else would be out, and they hoped that some of these little people would be so weak that they could easily be caught. That seems like a dreadful hope, doesn't it? But one of the first laws of Old Mother Nature is self-preservation. That means to save your own life first. So perhaps Granny and Reddy are not to be blamed for hoping that some of their neighbors might be caught easily because of the great storm. They were very hungry indeed, and they could not eat bark like Peter Rabbit, or buds like Mrs. Grouse, or seeds like Whitefoot the Wood Mouse. Their teeth and stomachs are not made for such food. It was hard going for Granny and Reddy Fox. The snow was soft and deep in many places, and they had to keep pretty close to those places where rough Brother North Wind had blown away enough of the snow to make walking fairly easy. They soon found that their hope that they would find some of their neighbors too weak to escape was quite in vain. When jolly round red Mr. Sun dropped down behind the purple hills to go to bed, their stomachs were quite as empty as when they had started out. "'We'll go down to the old briar-patch. I don't believe it will be of much use, but you never can tell until you try. Peter Rabbit may take it into his silly head to come outside,' said Granny, leading the way. When they reached the dear old briar-patch, they found that Peter was not outside. In fact, peering between the brambles and bushes, they could see his little brown form bobbing about as he hunted for tender bark. He had already made little paths along which he could hop easily. Peter saw them almost as soon as they saw him. "'Hard times, these,' said Peter pleasantly. "'I hope your stomachs are not as empty as mine.' He pulled a strip of bark from a young tree and began to chew it. This was more than Reddy could stand. To see Peter eating while his own stomach was just one big ache from emptiness was too much. "'I'm going in there and catch him, or drive him out where you can catch him, if I tear my coat all to pieces!' snarled Reddy. Peter stopped chewing and sat up. "'Come right along, Reddy. Come right along if you want to, but I would advise you to save your skin and your coat,' said he. Reddy's only reply was a snarl as he pushed his way under the brambles. He yelped as they tore his coat and scratched his face, but he kept on. Now, Peter's paths are very cunningly made. He had cut them through the very thickest of the briars, just big enough for himself and Mrs. Peter to hop along comfortably. But Reddy is so much bigger that he had to force his way through, and in places crawl flat on his stomach which was very slow work, to say nothing of the painful scratches from the briars. It was no trouble at all for Peter to keep out of his way, and before long Reddy gave up. Without a word, Granny Fox led the way to the green forest. They would try to find where Mrs. Grouse was sleeping under the snow. But though they hunted all night, they failed to find her, for she wisely had gone to bed in a spruce tree. End of section 4